Well, well, Kenny, it's great to be back. Yeah, it's it's been a while. Been a, been a fair minute. It's been a while. I uh, think it's been so long. We lost James. Yeah. Uh, you want to drive? Uh, let's see. You driving, baby? Am I driving? Yeah. Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a fun deep dive down to the most shameful depths of pop culture to unearth those beautiful gems that you're too ashamed to admit you like. Ooh, baby. Ooh, first take? First take. Not like that amateur James. I know, jeez. You, you filthy amateur. No, that's Home Alone. That's not the movie that we're talking about. <laughs> not today. No. But we are talking about a film today. We are. Shocker. <laughs> Coming out of nowhere. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm Kenny. Chief Archivist of Flat Films. And uh, I'm Aaron Salinas, editor and background photographer and showrunner. Um, and I'm James. I'm an owner. <laughs> I hate James. He's so dumb. <laughs> He's so dumb. <laughs> Can't stand him. Oh, that's boy. why we're doing this on our own. No, yeah, but uh, James isn't here with us today, so... If uh, you only listen to us for James, first of all, that's rude. Second of all, um, you should still listen to us, and maybe you'll uh, like me and Kenny more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now that James's massive ego is out of the room, like I have room to breathe. Yeah, I can yeah. finally get a word in edgewise. Thank goodness. Yeah, jeez, he's he's such a chatterbox. But now it's, it's just us two boys, just uh, running the floor. That's right. And uh, talking about films. Talking about films, we're talking about guilty pleasure films. All the things that we're too ashamed to tell strangers that we like. <laughs> In public and just like, not conversation you have with your barista. Yeah, no. And it's just, but uh, today's a special episode because it's your episode, Kenny. Yeah, this is my first guilty pleasure. Uh, James has had, well, good lord, we covered the entire Shrek franchise, so I guess we've had five. He's had five. <laughs> what a selfish bastard. What a selfish bastard. Jesus. Finally. <laughs> I, I, you don't know what I had to do for King Ralph. That's all. I'm going to leave it at there. Sure. Uh, you've had a guilty pleasure. Uh, we've had some guests. Yeah. Uh, we've had some guests talk about their guilty pleasures, but moi has not gotten to talk about the guilty pleasure yet. We're not uncorking the bottle that is Magic Mike, of which I will. That might be a twofer. I think that's. I will judiciously spray all over the room with my champagne love for that film judiciously spray that doesn't make sense that, that doesn't but i, I, would I like be, it <laughs> i would be restraining my spraying which is the opposite of that unjudiciously uh no instead we're going with a different thing uh we're we're talking about the oh shoot 2000 when did when did this film come out as chief archivist i should have this we're talking about the kevin smith film jersey girl and to be fair, I don't think this is going to be Kevin Smith's first and only time on this podcast. Go on. I, I have a couple of Kevin Smith choices that I I, I like. Sure, Th- that you like, but you're ashamed of telling your barista exactly that you would like. Uh, such as uh, I like Red State. Sure, I'll take it. And uh, John Goodman again. That's <laughs> sure. probably why it bumped up to me. <laughs> That's right. But. Um, I like Red State. I did not mind the walrus. I, I kind of liked it. Tusk? Uh, Tusk, yes. Excuse me. Sure. Um, but uh, Jersey Girl. I want to say 2004. Yes. March 26, 2004. Oh, so good. 
this film came out after Jay and Silent Bob, which was, I believe, August of 2001. Yes. And then Clerks 2, which came out uh, July of 2006. Yes. And, yeah, wow, man. I Boy, I was, I was the biggest Kevin Smith fan, just to add some context. Uh, but before we get into the context adding, uh, I want to give a plot summary for folks that haven't seen Jersey Girl. Ben Affleck. Yeah, in all honesty, it's a stacked cast. Yeah, this is a stacked cast. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith is really good with casts. He's got good friends. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, ben Affleck plays Ollie Trinke, uh, a spin doctor flack publicist uh, who gets married to Jennifer Lopez in a whirlwind romance uh, and has a child. And in childbirth, Jennifer Lopez dies. Uh, and in the span of events, Ben Affleck, uh, as his publicist, has to take care of a baby for the very first time in his life without the help of his wife as a uh, newly widowed husband um, and is put through various tumult, ending up in him rallying against being, uh, ending up rallying against the Fresh Prince, Will Smith, uh, because, boy, I'm getting, I'm getting this all over the place. Basically, he gets fired because he thinks that the Will Smith will never be a star. I forgot to say that this is a period film. This film is firmly set in 1994 and 2001. That's right. This movie is also set in 2001. Uh, gets fired for making fun of Will Smith and then ends up having to raise his daughter by being a super blue collar worker in the city of Highlands, New Jersey. He's forced to move back in with his father, played by George Carlin. Uh, Once again, a, a friend of yeah. Of Kevin Smith. A friend of Kevin Smith. And I think it's notable to act that uh, to mention Ben Affleck is a huge friend of, of oh, Kevin Smith. Yeah. Believe me, we're going to add some context. <laughs> Don't you worry. Real quick, Jennifer Lopez was a hot ticket. This oh, time? We're going to add some context. Okay. <laughs> believe me. <laughs> and then uh, once the film gets to 2001, because the film is split between 1994 and 2001, it's very much two halves. In 2001, the film kind of devolves into uh, sitcom plus type events, and I say yeah. that in the best way possible because it it should not work, but it does. It's in, the energy it gives, yeah. Yeah. Uh, culminating in uh, Ollie almost getting his job back and ultimately making the decision that uh, his family is more important than becoming a publicist again. Uh, that's the plot synopsis of Jersey Girl. I definitely missed a whole bunch of stuff. But I think it was – everybody has an idea. Sure. Of, of what's going on. Yeah. So forgive me. I don't have the questions. Well, here we go. So, Kenny, this is your episode. Great. So, question one. Why do you like this specific guilty pleasure? Sure. So – I grew up with Kevin Smith as many bearded, overweight, balding, white or white identifying men uh, did in those times. I would obsessively check uh, News Askew in my junior high, high school years. That's the Kevin Smith News website. Right. I would follow that stuff obsessively. I would follow him obsessively. I would read every single piece. And is it fair to say that growing up in Oklahoma, you might have been one of the only people who were obsessive with... Uh, 
obsessive, yes. In, All like, of my friends area? loved Kevin Smith. Okay, I cool. loved Kevin Smith. You lived him. Yes. Right. Uh, the first piece of Kevin Smith that I ever saw was, oddly enough, the animated series for Clerks. I remember <laughs> watching that. I remember watching that on ABC. They only aired two episodes. Yeah. And I watched one of them live. Uh, and that was the first experience with Kevin wow. Smith that I ever had. I think the next piece was Dogma. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. After that, and then slowly made my way through his filmography. Uh, Jersey Girl was, well, it still is so much of an anomaly because Kevin Smith is so, he codified the Apatow formula before Apatow came about and Apatow was able to mainstream the darn thing, uh, albeit unintentionally, I think. But all of those moves that Apatow has and those of the Apatow ilk, Kevin Smith made, albeit in launchier form. Yeah. It spoke to my sensibilities. It felt real to me in junior high and high school. It was elevated. It was my sense of humor. And there was also, to my white bread conservative upbringing, there was something that was probably the closest equivalent to punk. There, because I okay, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was never a music kid. Uh, my favorite music of the time was Coldplay. I still love Coldplay. <laughs> if we ever it's talk, good stuff, man. If we ever talk about guilty pleasure music, I'll talk about Coldplay to the cows come home. Uh, but Kevin Smith's sensibilities very much identified with mine. Uh, and then I, as I got older, and I still maintain this, Kevin Smith has not really aged that. Well, if anything, he's aged backwards. He looks great. Well, not the yeah. actual. <laughs> but what you mean his? Uh... Aaron, not the actual, not the actual person. Oh, <laughs> his, his work. His work. Well, that's an oopsie. Uh, if I've ever made one. <laughs> I, uh, I think, Clerks works because of the context of which it came about. Yeah, there was. Never before and never again has there been someone that blue-collar that has come about, or if not blue-collar, then that mundane. Kevin Smith was truly an everyman. I think the problem with his career is that everyman mentality came about by going, wow, there's this low-rent David Mamet here in Leonardo, New Jersey. He came out of nowhere, except that he was a low-rent David Mamet, and that's all he was ever meant to be. Those were his sensibilities. But because he went through Sundance, I think a more Soderberghian-like career was grafted onto him. And w what I do love about Kevin Smith is the fact that you're saying, you know, he's a low-grade David Mamet. And I think he wears that with the badge of honor. Yeah, I, he, definitely. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's what I am. Like, hell yeah, man. Like, And, and he speaks to the common man. This, the, the, like, I mean... Now, if anything, I think when you everybody reaches high school, you kind of love Kevin Smith. You find out who Kevin Smith is in like junior high and, and high school, and there's those people like I could say probably like both of us who just kind of held on to him. Like this guy is so cool, man! Like he made like he came out of nowhere and made a movie. Like like when when you don't really know how the business works, like that's really really amazing. Like that somebody it kind of it's a rags to riches. You're like I can do that too. Like or you know yeah. somebody can do it, and he's—it's just a really interesting. I love Kevin Smith for that fact. Yeah, 
uh, his work's a lot more problematic now because it's about nothing but Gen X white dudes that feel a degree of entitlement. Yeah. There. But it was so. I again, I just hadn't seen anything like it before. And it's not like those movies had much going on. If I wanted to feel a little bit artsy, I could just put in Clerks. Or Gumma. Yeah, definitely Gumma. <laughs> 1,000%. Yeah, it's um, it, it's interesting that, that you bring that up. Like, yeah, he, he kind of touches on a lot of different things throughout his filmography. From Clerks to Zack and Mary make a porno. There's a definite style, but I can't accuse him of making the same movie twice. Right. Cause, uh, yeah, because you get Campy and Sally with, like, Jay and Silent Bob. You get, you know, I always forget he did Raising Amy, right? Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. There yeah. we go. Uh, you can definitely argue about the varying degrees of success. Yeah. Because uh, Mallrats is not good. I haven't seen Chasing Amy in a very long time. I haven't seen Dogma in a very long time. Jay and Silent Bob does strike back. Doesn't really hold up. Clerks 2 is, I believe, the beginning of the decline of Kevin Smith in a yeah. big bad way, where the dialogue becomes a little bit too precious, and it's because Jersey Girl took the critical drubbing and commercial drubbing that it did, because this was his supposed to be his big ticket out. This was like his confirmation. Yeah, uh, he'd put in his time with Miramax. Please stop me at some point because I'm going to talk about this movie a no, lot. No, no, I, I, I go on. Yeah. Uh. This was his big ticket out. He had put in more or less four movies with the Weinsteins at this point. Uh, Mallrats was distributed by Universal. Domino was distributed by Lionsgate, but was originally funded by the Weinsteins. And then the Weinsteins, having been bought by Disney and wanting to be a lot more commercial, didn't want to put out Dogma anymore. So they sold it to Lionsgate and Dogma was released. But everything else he put in his time with the Weinsteins and is also one of the few directors that actually had a good quality relationship with the Weinsteins as well. The Weinsteins on top of being rapists. Uh, let's not forget that. Yeah, let's hot hot scoop. The Weinsteins are rapists. They're bad people. I don't guys. know if anyone knows this. Harvey and Bob Weinstein. They do some bad touching. They're raping everyone. Uh, but on top of that, they had crass commercial and critical instincts. They would cut things to pieces, remove filmmakers out of the editing room, out of the post-production process, and basically just impose their own will through sheer bullying, Yeah, which also just speaks to the general Hollywood timber that no one would be willing to deal with the Weinsteins if they're bullies, but if they're rapists... Or rather, if someone goes public with this stuff, boy, right. then we've got a problem. But right. this stuff, this stuff was common knowledge for so long. Yeah, they're just were always bad people. Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith were the two, maybe Robert Rodriguez to a degree. Those three folks were the only ones that the Weinstein's would listen to. And you think it's just because they're, for the most part, just common people? Tarantino, no. Tarant well, yeah, except for obviously, yeah. But uh, like Tarantino was basically the Mickey Mouse from Miramax, as silly as that sounded. I'm cribbing a phrase from uh, Down and Dirty Pictures. Uh, really great book about all of this stuff. I just listened to this book. All of this knowledge is really fresh <laughs> in my head. Uh, 
but Quentin Tarantino with Pulp Fiction put Miramax on. They solidified with, or they became solidified. With yeah, Tarantino put them on the map, map, and Tarantino was a rock star, and the Weinstein's just respond to that kind of power because Tarantino could go, no, I don't want to do this, and the Weinstein's would go, okay, right. Uh, Robert Rodriguez was Tarantino's friend. I'm not going to tell anything. And then Kevin Smith, going back to that blue-collar mentality, and I think this is just some assumed psychology, just agreeable. Yeah, and you know, he knows what people want kind of thing. His films were never commercially successful. They're still, I don't think any one of them has made more than $35 million. Oh, go on. That's it. Oh, but... <laughs> Yeah, like, um, so do you think, I know we got to go on, but you think he's, sure. like, they're just maybe just there, that Kevin Smith is kind of just like the pet, pro, the you know, the house pet. They're like, he, he gets things done, he brings in a little bit of money, will continue to let him do what he wants? That's a great question. I think Smith is agreeable. I think he, I think you said it, he always brought stuff in on time and under budget. I think there might also be a... I think Kevin Smith and the Weinsteins also both probably have the exact same dirty mouths. There might be a degree of identification. Do I have evidence of this? No, I don't know those three people. Why would I say this? Because I want to sound important, Aaron. That's why. But I think I I, I think there is a shared brotherhood there. And, okay. And yeah. Jersey Girl was the while while they had had quarrels before, Kevin Smith had had fights with the Weinstein's, but nothing that would nothing that would result in something that would end their working relationship. Jersey Girl was a well, I guess Jersey Girl also didn't end their working relationship with the Weinstein, but this is the one where the end result is the most messed with because the Weinstein's cut this to pieces. And if we're, I guess technically this film is successful. It had a budget of thirty-five million, mm -hmm. and it brought in thirty-six point one. Sure, <laughs> right. So it's successful. We can we can call it that. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, refresh me. So this was in high school when you first saw it. Uh yeah, probably. I probably purchased this on DVD and wore the heck out of it because it's a really good DVD. Because there's two audio commentaries with okay. it, and I love audio commentaries. So we relate to Kevin Smith. We relate to Kevin Smith. We like Kevin Smith. We like Kevin Smith. Does that mean we're automatically going to appreciate anything that he pulls out? Not anymore. <laughs> no way. So was that downfall? What do we agree it was? It was... It, it starts with Clerks 2. I think Jersey Girl is the last good film that Kevin Smith made, which is a shame because Kevin Smith poops all over this movie. Yeah, he yeah, I think that's fair to talk about. He he cringes when he talks about this. I I think it's in jest because Kevin Smith has always been quick with self-effacing humor. Yeah. But also it has the effect of a fat guy telling a whole bunch of fat jokes. Uh just to take the pressure off of him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh he can't take the genuine pride in it. He can't take genuine pride in himself because he has to address the elephant in the room. He can't just say, you know, I have, I have a glandular problem. Like he's just gonna. That's right. He's gonna, yeah. So, I do get that because um, actually we've already touched on question two. 
which was where was the first time explain where you initially encountered the guilty treasure do yeah. you know specifically i probably bought this from, from walmart on dvd and then just watched the heck out of it yeah but because up to this he'd done a lot he had done five movies he had, uh clerk small rats chasing amy dogma jane silent bob strike back and then jane silent bob strike back he had basically been playing in while well, all five of those films are so tonally different he'd basically been playing in the same sandbox for seven eight years at that point and he had not grown artistically much and he was still of the Sundance generation of 93 yeah 93 93-94 of Sundance so there was still an indie cred attached to it and people were going well when is Kevin Smith going to grow up this was his grown up movie and then they shit on it yeah uh, because of a little movie called Givu for those that can't see here in the studio Aaron looked at me and tilted his head just like a small dog a small cute dog and then his eyes started watering just like a small mm. cute dog <laughs> he, wow he's I, I'm only noticing that I mean of those first five he uh, he had a lot of the same cast yeah he He's on record, but I know so much about Kevin Smith because he's talking with Universal. He's talking with the people at Universal about Universal about Mall Rats, uh, and they're going, "Oh gosh, was it Mall Rats? I think it was Mall Rats." And they're going, uh, "Kevin Smith is of the mindset of going, why wouldn't you want to make movies with all of your friends?" And they were, and Universal goes, "That's not movie making." That's just a hobby at yeah. that point. Yeah. Kevin Smith wants to make movies, and he wants to make movies with his friends. And I think that mentality has come out in his later years, but th that's – he gets very fortunate. And also, Kevin Smith is really great with getting great performances out of actors. Yeah, because he connects with it. He's a, he's a guy. He's just a dude. Yeah. Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, Joey Lauren, Adams. Uh, Carlin. Chris Rock. Carlin, who is not an actor at this point. He done stuff. He kind of had to pull Carlin's teeth a little bit, didn't he? I would not be – I don't know. Because I know he spoke in his, uh, his book about it. I can't remember the book off the top Who, of my Carlin? head. Carlin? Yeah, he talked about Carlin in the book. Oh, sure. Um, I, I actually teared up when I was reading that part because like, Carlin's just so crass and, and just kind of – just a bitter old man in some points. And then sure. like he didn't want to take off his wedding band for Dogma. Mm -hmm. He plays a priest. Yeah. So they can't be married. And he was like, I, I just lost my wife, and it's just oh. a little too soon. And, like, the the way Kevin Smith talks about him, I actually did it for a, a speech class. For, I read a piece from there. And he, the way he talks about how Carlin just kind of – in hindsight, it's just a simple thing. Like, can I just wear a, a, a Band-Aid over the ring yeah. so it keeps hidden? And the way Kevin Smith talks about it, I was like, you just care. You, you're just a dude who cares, who who just happens to be making movies, and like that, like it just goes back to that every. Oh, Carlin says that to Smith. No, no, no. He uh, Smith says to to Carlin. Like, like yes, like like Smith is just like yeah, man. Like it's just, you know, 
don't even ask. You you could have just done that and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But but thank you for sharing that for me, sharing that with me. And and <clears throat> I remember whenever I was I told my my speech professor I was like, hey, I want to read this piece from from uh, Kevin Smith's books. He's like, well, if it's about Carlin, I just don't want to. You know, he's he's crass, he's gross, like he not gross, but he's a uh, sure he he's just too much. And and when I read it, I just kind of went behind his back and I read it. And he was like, you know, that author just paints Carlin in this beautiful, sincere moment. And it, it's just really cool. And Kevin Smith does that with a lot of things. Carlin is so good in this movie. Yeah, in, uh, in Jersey Girl. Yeah. He's so good in this movie. And he, it's the one performance where he acts with a capital A and it's all about that sad look at the end. Uh, this is where it takes him from comedian to actor. He's a he's an actor in this. He's an irrational functioning alcoholic throughout the entire movie. But it's, he's just sad. He's alone and sad. And it plays on that. It's so wonderful. And is it is it because it's relatable? Like, we all know someone who is... You know, we all know... I can't remember his name in, in the film. Uh... What's Carlin's name in the movie? Bert. Oh, yeah, we all know a Bert kind of thing. I I I don't. I'm not sure. I. Did. Is someone who's sad? I'm okay. <laughs> Point taken. Yes, I know someone that's sad. I might be Bert. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you're the Carlin of this of this threesome of guilty treasures. You're definitely the saddest one. I'll take that. Sure. I'll, I'll wear it with a pride. Sure. Uh, gosh, Carlin's so good at this movie. In all honesty, he's good in all of of Smith's movies, but this is probably my favorite one. Yeah, he's given some meat to yeah. chew on. Uh, and he's, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that he's able to hold his own against Affleck. Because uh, Carlin's been around the block a couple times. Affleck's, it, it, the whole movie, is, everyone's performance is great in this movie. And the thing that is so... Aaron cut out all the silence, making me make me sound smart. <laughs> precarious. The thing that is so precarious about Kevin Smith's dialogue is that it's it's on the edge of a knife, where it can sound mm. really corny and overwritten. Mm. Yeah, and Smith is able to coerce the dialogue to sound naturalistic enough to sound realistic enough to where I can buy it. All that dialogue that Liv Tyler is giving, boy, oh boy, it's it's almost too precious. But Liv Tyler sells the heck out of it. Yeah. It's delivered with the perfect precision that makes it endearing. Yeah. It. Yeah, Liv Tyler too, man. This was. She's great. Yeah, phenomenal. She's it's it's well performed, well just. It it seems it seems like just a natural movie. Yes, a very well played story, and I, I why didn't it why wasn't it as why is it a guilty treasure? I think is what I'm asking because okay I don't like Ben Affleck. Cool. So <laughs> sure. So anything Ben Affleck's in, I'm just like eh. I, I mean, that's a shame because uh, outside of the sexual assault charges or sexual harassment charges, I don't remember Ben Affleck's a bad person too. Uh, but his performances are great whenever you dial him in correctly. And I think Kevin Smith is able to access the good performances 
and Affleck. Potentially one of his career best performances is as Loki in Dogma because there's a real sad darkness that is tapped into with that character. And I think now more than ever, it's very evident that Affleck has that going on in real life, but Smith is able to tap into that in 98, 99. Yeah, very, very young Ben. Uh, but to establish why this is a guilty pleasure, uh, doubling back to, well, A, it's a quasi-rom-com, which is, that has certain connotations for men, men not being able to like rom-coms and the like. This movie is lovely. Additionally, Kevin Smith, which is not aged particularly well, the rest of his herbs. Yeah. And the leftover baggage that was associated with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez circa 2004. Yeah, I I actually forgot about that, if yeah. you want to be honest. Right? I forgot that they did have a thing. Yeah. It's, this movie was torpedoed by Gigli, which is just the worst. Though I, I haven't seen it, but critically it was just the worst, and it made $20 and a handful of buttons in theaters. Just, just blue jean buttons just that snapped off out of anger. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean I can't see Star Wars? What? Fine, I'll see G-Ling. Pop. Throw. And you can keep it. And just walked away. I know it's 2003. I want to see a Star Wars. And good golly, I want it now. Yeah. But, yeah, damn. I forget. Yeah, because as we were saying... Jennifer Lopez was a hot ticket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She gives a great performance in Jersey Girl. Yeah. Too. Because uh, up to this, she was in Made in Manhattan. Um, at the time, she was a movie star and also a music star. She was a double threat at the time. And then I think Geely and Jersey Girl kind of torpedoed the rest of her film stardom. Yeah, because she was made in Manhattan, and then she was in Monster-in-Law, Shall We Dance. Not, let's not forget Anaconda. Oh, my gosh. Anaconda? But man, I forgot. Gilly was so bad. How <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> much did they Oh, man. What's wrong? Oh, man. What's wrong? I just saw the... Oh, my God. Aaron, what's wrong? So, critically... Terrible. Sure. Financially. Oh, here we go. Ooh. So just to run down the scores. We're talking about Geely. We're on Geely now. Sure. Sorry. Uh, 2.4 out of 10 IMDb. Good. A 6 on Rotten Tomatoes. Wait. Oh, I thought that was going to be a 6 out of 10. No. no that's, that's a six, 6 out of 100. Yeah. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> budget. $54 million. Oh, yeah. They got to get those paychecks. Box office, 7.3. Oh, man. That's... Oh. And Jersey Girl came out after this. That No, Kenny, that's bad. It's real bad. It's bad. Uh, that, oh, my goodness. Okay, sorry. So, yeah, she was a hot ticket. She's a hot ticket. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I can't believe that kind of... Okay. That was... Gosh. So, after Gigli, uh and just the amount of tabloid coverage that 
Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are getting. This is where the Weinsteins step into the post-production process and cut 40 minutes out of the movie. The original cut of this movie, which has been seen at Kevin Smith's Vulgarthon, his film festival, uh, was two hours and 12 minutes. The theatrical cut is an hour 40. Do they have to reshoot for that? They reach out a, a couple things. They cut mostly all of the Jennifer Lopez stuff. The 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes that they cut out, Jennifer Lopez stuff. All of the stuff at the beginning. That 10 minutes, that was the first act. Oh. Yeah. Has, I'm, so, I mean, I'm sure he's vocalized his opinions on this. Oh, yeah. Uh, did he think that this kind of, this was the nail in his career almost? I don't think so. Uh, A strong turning point, though. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Affleck also wanted to make this at Warner Brothers because of issues that like this, because Affleck and Matt Damon had done Goodwill Hunting with them and had a less than amicable relationship with the Weinsteins. Right. So as soon as they could get out, they did, and they didn't really make movies with Miramax. After that, Affleck sets up his movies at Warner Brothers whenever he ends up being a writer-director. Uh. And so they try. Uh, Affleck tries to convince Smith because he wants to do another Chasing Amy type thing with Kevin Smith. Let's make another movie like that. Let's go do it at Warner Brothers. But Miramax had gambled a lot for Smith up to this point, correct? Smith says, they've been good to me. Yeah. I want to stay close to home. Because they, they did take a gamble, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of times. With, just to begin with, to get Smith, right? Uh. He wasn't a sure bet just yet. Not really. They didn't? Not really. Uh, Clerks was so much of what makes Kevin Smith special is the self-mythologizing as right. well. Uh, tell me the backstories of Steven Soderbergh or Richard Linkletter or uh, Nicole Holofcener or any one of the other filmmakers that came out of Sundance. Fair. And then tell me the story about Kevin Smith. He's literally got, he made his own documentary about his upbringing. Right. Uh, there's a brand. Uh, and they purchased Clerks and at a time where they were just buying things. It, it wasn't a risk, and they I think they paid a fairly low amount for it. Oh, okay. Chasing Amy, they gave them $250,000. Low. Uh, Dogma they gave ten million to. Uh, I guess that's the one gamble that they made. And I, I guess Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a gamble because you look at it, and that movie should not have been made because it's a movie that goes, "Hey, that's going to be a film which is nothing but in jokes for these four independent or failed studio movies." It doesn't make sense. Why would you sign a check for that? Kind but of they thing? did. Yeah. Um. Smith had been a company player. How much did Dogma make? Probably thirty-five. Holding for sound. Clean sound. Clean sound. I'm Close so thirty-one. I'm so much less bit heavy without James. Because <laughs> like you just gotta have your defenses up with James. You just need to have bits ready at the uh, 
Well, I'm, I'm talking so much. I'm, I'm so much in the driver's seat right now, and I can just talk about Jersey Girl so much, which is such a weird thing, and <laughs> I, can't, I can't be snarky. I'm going to say you might be the first and only person to say I can talk about Jersey Girl so much. I can talk about Jersey Girl so much. But yeah, made $31 million. So, yeah, that's true. He, he's, he's their, their pet right now. He's, yeah. making, he's making money. Yeah, not much. But he's a guaranteed a little bit of coin. They will. He will deliver the amount that Miramax expects. So why do they just not? Why, what, what was the trust issue with the whole? Because of Benefert and Gili. That's that's the trust issue that happens here. They need to save this film because and so they remove Jennifer Lopez from all the marketing materials. They only put her in the first ten minutes and they kill her off as quickly as possible. So you know that this movie will not be yet another movie with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Because, boy, Geely's a stinker. But the reviews that I've heard of the two-hour and 12-minute version is that it probably would have been Kevin Smith's ticket out. Uh, I've heard it be referred to as Kevin Smith's Jerry Maguire. Really? Which is – that's huge. That's a bold statement. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, you get to spend 30 or 40 minutes with – Ollie and Gertie at the beginning before she dies. That's and then it like Psycho, it comes out of nowhere. Wow, wouldn't that rule? I mean, to me, there's kind of two, two, two. There's a flip side to it. Here we go, flip it. There's a flip. Flip like, it. The thing is, like, would we have gotten Red State? <laughs> no, I mean, just I, like I how. Personally, I don't want Red State. Red State, is not, <laughs> Red State is not good. Where would this have put Kevin Smith? Uh, like, I'm, that's where I'm curious. Like, it's definitely a conventional. It's kind of unconventional because it's a, it's a rom com about a man falling in love with his daughter, which, out yeah. of context, that sounds weird. But with the context, <laughs> within the context of the movie, it makes sense. Right. Uh, but it's conventional because it looks like a typical rom-com for 2004. Uh, what does Kevin Smith's career look like if he's studio successful? He if probably Kevin Smith got to do what Kevin Smith wanted to do. Oh, man. Um, Would he be the Judd Apatow? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that if Jersey Girl had hit, people would have gone, wow, a newfound maturity. And then he probably would have started doing more adult fare or bigger budget things. Uh, I know that he was attached with Green Hornet for a long time. I know that he was attached with a Fletch movie for a long time. And that if Jersey Girl had performed successfully, that probably would have given him the career confidence to go, I can tackle this. Right. Versus what happens after that, which is Jersey Girl gets annihilated and he goes back to the well and he never comes back. Did he ever fight the – as far as you know, did he ever fight the Weinsteins after the fact? Like, you know, this this could have given me something. This could have given me more. I don't think so because his – I don't think so. I just don't think so. Clerks 2 has a budget of $5 million after that, which is huge reduction. Uh, Kevin Smith also goes to the Weinstein Company, one of the few filmmakers that goes with them, the other one being Tarantino and I – I think Rodriguez. I think that's a safe bet, yeah. 
Uh, anyway, Zack and Miriam, I don't remember what the budget of that one is. And then he just self-finances his stuff. Or not self-finances, but the relationship with the Weinsteins is terminated after that, more than likely, because Zack and Miriam was also supposed to be an... That was supposed to be Kevin Smith's Apatow move. And it... It helped launch Apatow, I think. Uh, it, it thuds. Zack yeah. and Miriam thuds in a very way, because he's... It's called Zack and Miriam make a porno. And there's not... A porno. Yeah. Well, there... I mean... There is, but there's not that crossover... Right. Appeal. Who did Cop Out? Was it was it Miramax? That was Warner Brothers. Oh, Warner yeah, Brothers. that's right. Uh, and he disdains Smith. I mean, uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, yeah. Uh, he liked working with Warner Brothers. I know so much about Kevin Smith. Anyways, Jersey Girl. Oh, yeah. So, question three. What does this guilty, guilty treasure mean to you? Does it... How does it make you feel when you're watching it? Is this a film that you could watch anytime, any day? I think I need to be in a specific mood. I think I need to be in a particularly romantic mood. I think I need something that's... Because uh, I haven't watched this movie in a very long time, but it's also my favorite Kevin Smith. And I don't exactly feel great about saying it's my favorite Kevin Smith because there are more historically important Kevin Smith movies. And that's why we're on this show. There. <laughs> and this is the most mainstream. This is the most probably critically reviled of Smith's run uh, from Clerks to Zack and Miri. Uh, and it's it still has that Gigli stench attached to it. Which is a shame. It is a shame because this movie's genuinely good. Even though it's been cut to pieces, it it sings. It, it, Kevin Smith's dialogue is still crisp and wonderful here great performances Affleck is really good he's such a cute father yeah he's a real he seems real like a real dad yeah there's there's a little hand or just a little bit of hand that's associated with him being a father which I think taps into Ben Affleck's terrible sense of humor but that that working relationship that he has with Smith is able to coax a vastly different side of Affleck that you haven't seen because he's basically just been leading men. Right. Uh, Action-type leading men. He'd done a couple romance movies. But this shows a completely different side where Affleck is vulnerable. Affleck is kind of low status. Yeah, he's, he's, just a, he, he's just a guy. He's not an astronaut. He's not brilliant. He's just a yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it specifically takes Affleck out of the mode of Affleck by having him an Affleck like career in the first 30 minutes of the movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he has an outburst, and then uh, Affleck learns his lesson and learns not to be like Ben Affleck. But he stays low key Ben Affleck. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. He becomes a Matt Damon type, if you will. <laughs> um,. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. You, you gotta feel, you gotta feel romantic. It's not an everyday. What does this fall on your scale, by the way? On your scale oh, of, uh, on on my scale from one to five. Yes, I almost rated it a four, but I had to rate it a three, just because of all the other movies that I had to rate as a four. So to be fair, in hindsight, you have to give it a three. It's a high three. 
it's a it's it's at the tippy top of the threes. Okay, I mean, I think yeah, because three is just fine, right? It's in your scale. Yeah, this is fine. Plus, there is Affleck is charming. Liv Tyler is so charming. That character should not work at all, and Liv Tyler is so good. She's so good. <laughs> and Carlin. What did uh, Carlin is so good? Yeah. The kid is so good. I think a four is fair, Kenny. Uh, Jason Biggs is pretty good. Uh, Jason Lee and Matt Damon come in for a one-scene cameo and kill it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is I think it's fair to go a four. I don't know. Because, I mean, you keep boasting about it. I don't know because I rate it – I. I rated Roma as a four, and I do not want to put Jersey Girl in the same as Alfonso Coron's Roma. Fair. <laughs> Just blew out the mic. With That's that very fair. quiet fair. That's fair. That's yeah, because okay, yeah, and I think so. Favorite out of all Kevin Smiths. Yes, in in terms of quality. And considering that Kevin Smith, would you consider one of your favorite directors? Not anymore. Okay. No. Formative? Yeah. One of the big ones. Uh, one of, if not the biggest one from my childhood. Just so formative. So much of my style. Aped from Kevin Smith. Uh, yeah, it kind of opened me into the world of, and I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly, but like from the world of a, a moviegoer to just like, a cinema appreciator, if that makes sense. It does have that sheen of indie. Yeah. Even though Kevin Smith, starting with from the very beginning, was always making broad comedies, but it looks like an independent movie. Yeah, because I, I think, like, you could tell, like, you were a cool kid if you knew who Kevin Smith was. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, you had a certain level of intelligence that all the other people didn't, you know? Yeah. Like, some kids might be lucky enough to know who Steven Spielberg was and what he did. Wait, and what? that, you know what I mean? Like, a major... Everyone knows Spielberg. Exactly. Oh, But, okay. like, exactly. I, I, okay, sorry. I, uh, I get it. But, like, the cool kids know about Kevin Smith. That's true. Oh, have you seen Clerks? It's real dope, man. Like, you should check it out. You just... You, you, you won't be able to comprehend it. I'm just... I'm going to theater class. Catch you later. Yeah, we were all in junior high, just to make that abundantly clear when yeah. you were saying all of that. Like, to have that status over people, that power. It is status and power. Oh, yes. yeah. It, I hate saying it, but it is. No, you're absolutely correct. That's why I become a huge film nerd, because it's... You uh, feel kind of good when you... <laughs> yeah. When you know something that somebody else doesn't. Yes. There is a degree of power that you could exercise over your friends by going, oh, yes. Dogma was made for $10 million uh while Goodwill Hunting was winning the Oscars, and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon had to fly back to Pittsburgh the day after they won their Oscar. Yeah, that's power, Aaron. That's, that's worth. That's power. Everything. <laughs> so okay, so we've we've gone over your three. Do you, do you like this movie as much as I do, Aaron? Um, once again, man, it's just I, I'm not a Ben Affleck fan. Sure. Why? 
Um, because I mean, even in this, he just feels like a smug guy. Like, Why? I, I don't know, just the way he carries himself and just like he he feels of stature and power in every film. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was, it was, he, he feels like a Bruce Wayne in everything he's in. And that's probably just a preconceived notion I have for him. Weird. Like, he's just, he's hard for me to like. Uh-huh. But I do like this film mm-hmm. because it's got a big old Kevin Smith stamp on it. That makes me like it even more. But I just can't like. I just I can't I can't like Ben Affleck. I can't and, like it. And because he's in it, I'm just like ah. But I still like it. Out of all the Ben Affleck film, well, <laughs> I mean I liked Argo. So, and I like Jay and Silent Bob Strike. <laughs> Um, it's it's definitely a top Affleck film for me, but it doesn't sound like that's particularly <laughs> high praise. Yeah, it's just I don't know. He's just uh, like it's just hard for me to like him. But I do like the fact that there's just so much to it. Like you said, it's got a lot of history. Yeah, like there's so many momentous occasions in this. Like there, there could there could have been so much for so many people, really. And it's just, yeah, Carlin's so good. I think this is his last performance before he dies. Uh, think yeah. of another Liv Tyler performance where she plays someone normal. Think, Aaron. I might have to get back to you on the next episode. I'm gonna, I can't. Yeah, I can't. She plays someone normal, and I can't, I don't think that she had a career where she was doing rom coms or anything. I think rom-coms were also kind of on their way out. Well, yeah, they hadn't be, been reinvented yet. Yeah. Because I think Apatow and, yeah, I mean, really, he's the only one that can come to mind. Yeah, and those aren't even, I guess they are rom-coms, but they're such a bro-y. They're bro they're a reinvented rom-com. I wouldn't even, shoot, I wouldn't even say bro-y, uh, but they're, they're, they're for dudes. He sneaks. There, he sneaks in rom coms that are dude approved. Yeah, <laughs> it, and it's, but there was money in that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So like he he reinvented that, and and it's just, I don't know. Like to me, it kind of feels like, and I know I keep carping on this, but like I think Kevin Smith would have been that first Judd Apatow. It's, like it's it's probably because he was under the, under the thumb of Miramax. Yeah. And like like with Judd Apatow, you don't know you might not know his name, but you know his work. I, surely people know who Apatow is. Like the average Joe, they might be like, Oh yeah, you know, that guy. He he made that one. His his wife's in everything that he makes. Yeah. Like I think Kevin Smith could have been like that. Yeah. And and instead he's just, you know, that guy from, you know, comic book men on AMC. Yeah. Which good show, or you know the guy who's on Weight Watchers? No, Poster Comic Boy. Book Man is not a good show, Aaron. <laughs> it's, it's it's not a good show. I'm I'm happy for them. I'm so happy for them. They deserve that money. Uh, but it's, it's, not it's, a it's good yeah, show. it's a trashy show. No, it it's just a nerdy American. I tried, figures. and it's not. Boy, it's not good. It's I yeah. mean, it's just. Uh, 
it's a guilty treasure of mine. Sorry, no dunking. I'm dunking right now. Not following the first rule. But it's, it's, it's honestly, it's unfortunate. In all honesty, it makes me appreciate this movie more. Just the fact that of what went through with you know the whole Weinstein's you know coming in and playing editor and yeah, it it ah, but damn, what could have been with this film for such a movie that I think is considered a non-existent piece of vanilla angel food cake. Uh, there is so much, well, and also helps with because Kevin Smith is such a public persona and always has been. It, all of the troubles are so transparent with this movie and then add to that two incredibly visible stars of this movie uh, it, it, it makes for something that is very interesting but unfortunate yeah I love this movie this movie rules yeah it, it's that's what I'm saying man it's hard for you it's hard for me to accept a three from you I'm going to give it a three. Only by default because you kind of have to? Yeah, because I don't want it to be in the same league with a whole bunch of really great movies. <laughs> it's above Revenant, though, and I'll take that. Oh, screw Revenant. Revenant sucks. It's a, what did I rate, rate it? One star? I should downgrade it to a half star. Revenant, dumb. I hate the Revenant. Revenant's so bad. I get it. The past sucks. The cold is brutal. It was cold and everyone's hungry all the time. There's bears. Great. I get it. You can find me on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at laughingpanda5. Um, uh, yeah, Facebook, Instagrams. And uh, I believe this is coming out right before New Year. So happy New Year. And happy holidays for whatever you celebrate. Sure. Uh, you can find me and more Kevin Smith apocrypha knowledge at uh, Twitter at My Magic Lesson. You can also find me at my website, KennyMadisonIsCool.com. I write articles every once in a while about comedy, about film, and all this stuff in between. You can also find past episodes uh, on my website, KennyMadisonIsCool.com or GuiltyTreasures.Podbean.com. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Guilty Treasures on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and on Podbean. And if your review is particularly good, we'll read it on air because we're not above it. And uh, comment what you want to start watching. Yes, if you got If you got a Guilty Treasure that we haven't brought up or mentioned, please, 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 we want to get knowledge from this too. So, so be involved. Let us know. Be involved. Engage with your community or else we'll end up with another 2016. And good God, we don't want we that. We don't want that. Do you want this podcast to succumb to fascism? I don't. We're in a coup, people. We're in a, a coup. coup. Also, you can, if you want more hot steaming tent, you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash flatfilms, not fatfilms, patreon.com slash flatfilms, where you can get exclusive content related to the podcast and other hot tent from our parent company, Flat. Hot uh, tent. Hot tent. Any other closing remarks, Aaron? Uh, no, I think I'm good to go. Uh, James, it's uh, been a quiet episode, but thanks for being here. It's going to be a quiet, non-heavy episode, which I'm sure that James would be pleased with. He would go, wow, that went very smooth. 
I don't know why that went so smooth. Where the heck is the where where's where's the outro? I I'm where where did I put the outro? Hold uh, hold hold for outro. Hold for outro. This this is gonna be awkward. Good lord. I just read it. Until next time. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> Until next time. <laughs> Dig up those shameful secrets and let those guilty treasures shine. Peace and love, friends. Peace and love. <laughs>